It's Thursday, January 19th, 2023. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, a deep dive on marginalia. What is it? Why should you do it? And how does it reveal the more joyful side of history's most famous sad boy, Edgar Allan Poe? All that and more in this extended love letter to writing in books. Here's some cool stuff for your ride home. Today, January 19th, is Edgar Allan Poe's 213th birthday. The spooky author of such classic stories as The Telltale Heart and The Cask of Amontillado, Poe is sometimes regarded as the godfather of detective fiction and a progenitor of science fiction. But one of his lesser-known writing projects, at least nowadays, was an ongoing column for an assortment of publications called Marginalia. In it, Poe published his thoughts on writing, on specific books, on certain people, and more. Sometimes he refers to those books or people by name, but it's often difficult to parse out who or what he's referring to with modern eyes. Although John Carl Miller, who wrote the introduction to the 1981 unabridged collection of Poe's marginalia columns, says it's possible that even contemporary readers were occasionally unaware of who or what Poe was referring to. His column was nonetheless quite popular, running for five years straight across four different publications, including one of my favorite 19th century magazines from a historical perspective, Gaudy's Ladies Book, the one which helped popularize many American traditions like the Christmas tree and eating turkey at Thanksgiving. But anyways, Miller says that Poe's reflections in his marginalia column were, quote, by turns titillating, reflective, critical, sarcastic, and even didactic. He continues, Almost everyone knows that Poe was a startling writer who deliberately appealed to his readers' nerves and emotions more than he did to their intellects, but few are aware of his keen, analytic, wide-ranging mind. Here in his complete marginalia is another Poe, and certainly a very interesting one. In these items, readers will discover facets of Poe's personality whose existence many could never have suspected. So suppressed have they been in favor of those sides of him that display a seeming intense and morbid preoccupation with disease and death. End quote. And indeed, there is a treasure trove of thoughts to enjoy if you peruse Poe's 287 published pieces in his Marginalia column. But I bring it up today more for the name of the column itself, and, it seems, the primary vehicle through which Poe was both inspired and by which he physically wrote these pieces, notes in the margins of books that he was reading. I was reminded of Poe's marginalia thanks to a birthday tweet to the author from writer and curator extraordinaire Maria Popova, who linked back to a post about marginalia that she wrote 10 years ago, long before Popova changed the name of her blog from Brain Pickings to The Marginalian. Clearly, she's a fan of the concept of marginalia, as am I. Now, marginalia simply refers to any notes, underlining, or doodles made by a reader within a text. Some people also include scraps of paper or other physical editions left by a reader in the book. Now, to some people, of course, the annotating of a book is sacrilege, and, you know, actually verboten if you're borrowing from somewhere like a library, but to others, like Poe and me, it's an art form. 
Poe wrote in his very first piece for Marginalia, quote, In getting my books, I have always been solicitous of an ample margin. This not so much through any love of the thing in itself, however agreeable, as for the facility it affords me of penciling suggested thoughts, agreements, and differences of opinion, or brief critical comments in general. Where what I have to note is too much to be included within the narrow limits of a margin, I commit it to a slip of paper and deposit it between the leaves, taking care to secure it by an imperceptible portion of gum tragacanth paste. End quote. Oh, what Poe could have done with a sticky note. When thinking about someone who might have had something worthwhile to say about marking up books with your own thoughts, Popova turned to the same person that I had in mind, Mortimer Adler. Adler wrote the classic How to Read a Book in 1940, and many of its instructions still resonate today. On taking notes inside of a physical book, Adler wrote, quote, Why is marking a book indispensable to reading it? First, it keeps you awake, not merely conscious, but wide awake. Second, reading, if it is active, is thinking, and thinking tends to express itself in words, spoken or written. Third, writing your reactions down helps you to remember the thoughts of the author. Reading a book should be a conversation between you and the author. Presumably, he knows more about the subject than you do. If not, you probably should not be bothering with his book. But understanding is a two-way operation. The learner has to question himself and question the teacher once he understands what the teacher is saying. Marking a book is literally an expression of your differences or your agreements with the author. It is the highest respect you can pay him. End quote. Now, I can't speak for all authors, but I can say for myself that the times that I've seen copies of my book all tagged and marked up indeed felt like the highest honor. In their book on annotating, simply called Annotation, scholars Remy Collier and Antero Garcia referred to literary critic George Steiner, who agreed with Adler's assessment of marking up books as a sign of active reading, saying once that an intellectual was, quote, quite simply, a human being who has a pencil in his or her hand when reading a book, end quote. Writing in books is not just active reading or that conversation with the author, though. Poe argued that it was also a supremely uninhibited way of expressing yourself. Quoting again from Poe, Marginal jottings have a distinct complexion. They have a rank somewhat above the chance and desultory comments of literary chit-chat, for these latter are not infrequently talk for talk's sake, hurry down to the mouth, while the marginalia are deliberately penciled, because the mind of the reader wishes to unburden itself of a thought, however flippant, however silly, however trivial, still a thought indeed, not merely a thing that might have been a thought in time and under more favorable circumstances. In the marginalia, too, we talk only to ourselves. We therefore talk freshly, boldly, originally, with abandonment, without conceit." End quote. I love that idea, and I would say I practice it myself. You know, I always annotate my books in pencil so that I can feel the most free to underline or jot down whatever comes to mind and know that I could theoretically erase it if I ever wanted to, say, lend this book out to someone and I don't want that someone to read those particular notes of mine. But when did writing in the margins of books get its start, and what might its future be in our digital world? 
More on all that after a word from our sponsors. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Going back to the book Annotation, Kalir and Garcia discuss the history of annotating, saying that for as long as there have been printed books, there has been marginalia. And side note, it does seem that this is where the word marginalized comes from. People whose stories were pushed to the margins, perhaps literally in newspapers. Clear and Garcia write, quote, Annotation was both ubiquitous and habitual by the 1500s, not long after the invention of the printing press and growth of print culture. Throughout the early modern period, approximately 1500 to 1800, as scholar Heidi Brayman Hackle has recounted, book use among less extraordinary readers, or novices and everyday annotators, included people adding various types of marks while reading books. Marks of active reading, like underlining, indicated sustained engagement. Marks of ownership, such as signatures, distinguished books as valued objects. And marks of everyday recording, perhaps unrelated to the content, added ancillary information. In Bremen Hackle's assessment, with varied annotation practices, the book takes on a different role. As intellectual process, as valued object, and as available paper. Information supplied by reader annotation has for centuries helped books to take on these different roles, end quote. Marginalia helping books take on new and different roles. The valued object concept is, of course, a common one. Just this morning, I stumbled on a Literary Hub article showcasing the different custom book plates that famous authors applied to the books in their own personal collections. And Mortimer Adler notes that as well, saying that buying a book establishes a property right in it, but that full ownership really comes when you've made it a part of yourself. And the best way to do that, he says, is by writing in it. I mean, to be sure, the books that I've marked up have far more value to me than the books that I haven't, regardless of how much I did or didn't pay for either of them to begin with. And when you have marked up a book, it can be a pleasure to reread the book and see what your past self thought was relevant, what thoughts or questions you had as you read it then. There's so much that you can discover within and without the text. I mean, case in point, when I opened up my copy of The Complete Tales and Poems of Edgar Allan Poe to see if I could find anything interesting to reference for this segment, I was greeted by a sticky note on the flyleaf revealing that this copy was in fact not mine at all, but one which I apparently mistakenly took from a roommate when I moved out 12 years ago. So, uh, 
Sorry about that, but Marginalia, so helpful. Marginalia can be helpful for actively reading, for recording your uninhibited thoughts, for making a volume more precious to you, and serving as a time capsule of sorts. But should you share your notes and highlights in any form, as Edgar Allan Poe did? There was an excellent thread yesterday on the subreddit Ask History wondering which historical figures would be outrageous online. The original poster supposed someone like Oliver Cromwell might manage an Elon Musk-style takeover of an entire platform, and many agreed that Oscar Wilde would bring the tea. Another suggested Lord Byron might do similarly. John Lennon was voted as probably being the most insufferable tweeter of all time, and there were many funny takes about how Andy Warhol would have handled NFTs and AI. And then one person suggested that Edgar Allan Poe would do numbers on Tumblr. Absolutely true, in my opinion. Also, he would perhaps do quite well on Twitter. His marginalia articles vary extremely by topic and length. While some are several paragraphs long, others would certainly fit the length of a tweet. Like this one from August of 1845, it says in its entirety, quote, It is certainly very remarkable that although destiny is the ruling idea of the Greek drama, the word for fortune does not appear once in the whole Iliad. End quote. There's no context whatsoever for that addition to his column. It's a standalone observation, a Twitter-ready piece of content. I wonder, though, about marginalia. When shared beyond the pages the book it's first noted in and maybe collected together or expanded upon with larger reflections, as Poe typically did for his pieces in marginalia, if it's not less like Twitter and more like a modern-day newsletter— Miller wrote of Poe's particular form of publishing his marginal thoughts, quote, It's a device that offered endless possibilities for such remarkable personalities as was Poe, for by using it, he was able to draw on his erudition, reading, and experience to display his wit and humor. Poe did have humor, to change subjects at will, and to indulge himself in praising or condemning such books and persons as he chose. But most importantly, such a framework allowed him to write about anything he pleased at any time he pleased. End quote. Now, I suppose that is still somewhat what a column in a publication is like, but many people, especially now freelance journalists, take much more freedom in subject matter with their newsletters. And Poe's writing about anything he pleased at any time he pleased certainly strikes me as the thrust of many people's email newsletters, or what used to be blogs. And maybe those are a good current outlet and archive for people's marginalia. Writing about marginalia back in 2013, Popova bemoaned how we might be losing some of this craft in our digital era, with the rise of ebooks, reading news digitally, and keeping mostly digital notes. But 2013 was a time when blogs were declining in popularity and newsletters hadn't taken off yet. It seems like a certain kind of person will always have a desire to read the random thoughts of others. It just took us some time to find the new version of that once blogs fell out of popularity. So now we have newsletters, the modern-day regurgitation of people's assorted thoughts. They don't all originate in marginalia, no, I'd be curious how many actually do, but they do bear some similarities, in spirit if nothing else. And for those of you who do enjoy marking up your books but you don't have a desire to share them in a public forum like a newsletter— 
or if you do want to share them publicly but need some help organizing them, author, bookstore owner, and number one Marcus Aurelius fanboy Ryan Holiday has a pretty solid, although time-consuming, system that will help you retain information that you read better and give you a way to organize all of your marginalia by theme instead of by book. His system depends on 4x6 note cards and lots of boxes. And while the handwriting of the lines that you underlined in a book onto those note cards certainly helps cognitively process the information, there could be a digital alternative. I've been working on some way to employ his methods using Notion or any other database tagging system. I'll drop a link in the show notes to Holiday explaining his system for anyone who that sounds of interest to. But if none of those reasons have convinced you of the merits of marginalia yet, what about as a form of community building? Years ago, a few friends and I had a short-lived idea of an annotated book club, affectionately abbreviated to ABC. One of us would read a book, taking ample notes and underlining liberally, and then pass it on to the next person, who would do the same, while also getting to enjoy the notes of the person who had read the book before them. It's something I've done more informally a number of times, especially back in high school when older students would occasionally pass down reliably assigned books to underclassmen, complete with years' worth of notes providing clever answers to questions that our tenured English teachers were sure to ask. Writer and first-ever employee at Instagram, Josh Rydell, whose debut novel, Please Report Your Bug Here, came out this week, wrote about a similar experience for Literary Hub. But instead of an assigned text or random book, he picked an advanced copy of his own book, and he sent it around to his friends one by one for them to read and mark up and then send along to the next person in a sort of old-school chainmail fashion. And it was a hit with his friends, many of whom didn't know each other, and then reported that it felt like they were getting to know the previous person via their doodles and annotations. It was a brilliant idea, especially for your own book. And it's one that I've thought about doing myself, not of my book, but bringing back the ABC, the Annotated Book Club, but on a larger scale, with strangers. And maybe I will actually do that one day, so watch this space. But until then, you can do the same thing with your own friends. Read a book, mark it up extensively, get meta with it, and then give it to a friend and ask them to do the same, and then keep going. Or just do it by yourself and keep it to yourself. Enjoy some of those uninhibited thoughts that Poe was talking about, and maybe revisit them a few years from now and see how you've grown. Bonus points if you do it to a copy of Edgar Allan Poe's Collected Works. What we write in books, what we think about as we read them, can certainly be revealing. I think that's one of my favorite takeaways about Poe's love for marginalia. It's what Miller remarked on in the introduction of the collection of Poe's marginalia column, that over the years, we've come to exclusively associate Poe with the macabre and with depressing and gory themes. But he was also someone full of wit and humor, and keen contemporary analysis. There was so much more to him than simply what made it into his most famous stories. You really can't judge a book by its cover. Sometimes you can't even judge it by its text, but rather by what was left in the margins. (sighs) 
Well, that is going to be it from me for today. This show was produced by Ride Home Media. I'm Jackson Bird, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow.